You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. It's always draft season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Shavank here with you guys, uh, running solo on the show today. Mason is caught up with a few things uh, with spring ball, with whitewater. So uh, I have to stay flexible with us to schedule. We are going to get through all the positional previews and rankings and whatnot and, and have that for you. I think we're going to have a final mock at some point, probably uh the 24th i imagine and then uh there's one other pot i want to do hopefully we can get it done um it's pretty mixed overall in terms of what it covers but i i think it'll be an exciting one but let's get to the tight ends um i think the first thing i want to talk about really quick uh with the tight end position is referencing at least you know what teams could be looking at the tight ends Early in this draft and often in this draft because, you know, we're looking at what we think to be a, a pretty deep group overall at the position. So there's there's a lot of names to cover. And we're going to get to, I think, I want to say it's 15. It is 15 today. So 15 guys we're going to go through and we're going to look at a lot of the advanced receiving stats for a lot of these guys. And hopefully that'll like paint more of a picture where you get a good idea of what these guys are, what these guys can do, and maybe a little bit of how they fit the Packers. We're going to talk about other teams as well. So quickly, let's let's go to the teams. Obviously, Green Bay's in need of it. Like, you know, you look at DeGuar, you look at not much left in the room, per se, uh, for Green Bay, that, that they are a team that's obviously been mocked tight end at 15 a lot. I think it's more likely they would take one via trade back in the first round. Um who that tight end is, it's hard to say. I just feel like the day two is the sweet spot of where they will select one. Obviously, Goody has highlighted this to be a deep tight end draft, which means, again, he's coming away with with one or two, I think, in this class. So definitely want to, to hit on that as much as we can for them. But other teams to, to kind of watch for, I, I think... It feels like the Chargers might go in that direction. I hope for their sake it's not early because I do think they can go, they can do a lot of better things early in the draft, you know, edge defensive line, safety if they feel like they like somebody, or, you know, they finally get the speedy receiver, somebody who can run faster than a 4 7 in the receiver room. But I do think that the, the Chargers are going to be a team that potentially looks at that direction because, you know, when you talk about who's come over, Kellen Moore. 
to call plays, right? Dalton Schultz was kind of his guy. He dialed things up for, he dialed things up for Ferguson as well. You got that feeling that they're probably going to be looking in that direction at some point in the draft. I think a few other teams you could look at. I, I think we're going to mention Detroit. I don't know. They, they clearly don't value it as much, right? You look at trading away TJ Hawkinson, getting a second round pick for that. That's, that's huge for them to control a lot of the board the first two days of the draft. But when you figure out that like, you know, their, their, their tight end room is, is, is like Brock Wright and like that, that's it. Like there, there should be another guy in that room. I, I don't know if they're going to do it in the first two days. They might wait and get a sleeper late. That is entirely possible, but I don't think I'd rule that out for them. Maybe Dallas, if they don't believe in Ferguson, we don't know if they do or not. I have a funny feeling we'll get to kind of where these guys might land, and we'll talk about that really quick uh, with each guy. But I feel like Dallas, if somebody's there for them, they they might consider it, depending on who it is. Early in the first round, early in the draft, on day one, they pick twenty sixth, I believe, twenty seventh. I think it's twenty six. It should be twenty seven if Miami had a pick. I think it is twenty six. Okay, so them at twenty six, I think, are a team that that. Would very much consider it uh, early on. I think Cincinnati at twenty uh, at twenty eight is another team that, if all the tight ends are on the board, you know Bijan doesn't fall to them. They don't like what's there at offensive line. They might pull a trigger. I mean, they have Irv Smith right now, but that's really not too much to write home about per se. And I think you know going all in a little bit more. <laughs> On offense isn't necessarily a bad thing. If, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you know what the AFC is. It could be New Orleans. Like, Troutman's not that good, but like I, I feel like New Orleans is going to be pretty much locked into defensive line. First couple days of the draft, 29 and 40 especially. Uh, and that leaves, I think, another team that could definitely consider it at the end of round one. And I think should, to be honest. If I were the Chiefs, I would definitely consider it. Especially if the top five tackles are off the board and you can't get like Anton Harrison. I think Darnell Wright's probably going earlier than we think he is. Well, maybe not we. It depends on who you're. If you think Darnell Wright's like ah, Cincinnati or Kansas City at like 28 or 31, I think he's going to be off the board probably several picks before that. Personally, I don't see how Darnell Wright slash maybe even Anton Harrison get past 19 bucks. You know, Wright and Worfs. Worfs can move over to the left. So I think. You know, if you're the Chiefs and you and you don't like Ed Rusher, or you like a Dalton Kincaid, you like a Michael Mayer, you like a Darnell Washington, who I actually just mocked to them um, in in my mock draft that I wrote up on Monday. That that's where it gets very interesting. I think the Kansas City Chiefs then start to turn into this like absolute juggernaut in twelve personnel that that teams would not want to face, and, and then they go find another speedy guy later, and it, it's it's troubling. It's troubling for the league. Again, I think the door opens massively on, on day two of the draft. Of course, Carolina coming in. You know, they signed Hayden Hurst, but what's that? You know, like I, I if you're going to add playmakers for C.J. Stroud, maybe don't reach at receiver and grab the tight end instead. Uh, like there are teams that could just do it. That wouldn't surprise me. Like Seattle wouldn't surprise me. It just depends on who they select in the first. If they are J, if they're the JSN team, then probably not. But if they're not, then maybe we're looking tight end. Uh, Vegas, obviously, just trade away Darren Waller. And then, of course, we hope Foster Moreau uh, gets better and, and can come back and play football. But they're a team as well that, that could be 
in the mix. Obviously, we've mentioned Detroit already. You know, if the Giants want to double up, you know, Dallas, obviously day two would be the same thing. If you're Houston at 33 and you don't like what's there at receiver and you want to help out, you know, whoever you're drafting, Young, Richardson, or Stroud, we think it's one of those three. Why not a mayor? Why not a Kincaid? Why not Musgrave, I guess? I, I don't I don't love it, but like why not like help your guy out as much as you can? Get a maybe just a reliable middle field player who I think, you know, Bryce Young sees the field pretty well overall. So again, there's just so many teams. Uh Miami, I thought potentially would be a team that would look there, you know, they'd look for that kind of mixed do it all player, not the true Y or the true F tight end the true inline or the true move player but they did just re-sign Durham Smythe for two years so maybe they're a little bit out of it at this point Jacksonville day two makes more way more sense than on day one yes Evan Ingram but also that's not a long-term deal yet so you know what what is the franchise take really right this is a long-term thing you got going on in Jacksonville we don't need to be paying Ingram 10 plus 11 plus million dollars per year for like three years when you can draft a Sam Laporta or a Tucker Craft, right? Like you can, the production will come there. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of teams that'll be looking at tight end, no doubt about it. Um, you want to get really fun? Uh, Philadelphia going 12 personnel would be hilarious. Chicago could consider it. Uh, they've got 53, 61, 64. Wouldn't rule it out necessarily, but I th- they definitely have other needs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's those are the teams where you're kind of looking at tight end right now. And you go, okay, those are the teams, first two days might select one. And, th- and that's a lot of teams, and that's a lot of selections that could potentially be tight end. That's why we're talking about this class being so deep is like teams will will, will start to be like, ah, yeah, that's probably the best player on the board. It's it's a position that's you know demands some production, especially if you're going to treat him as, as a power slot, as a receiver. So maybe that's the direction they're looking at. Um, so, yeah, I want to get into this. Uh, but first, I want to talk about some of the tight ends that have been very successful uh, in the NFL. And we'll go recent. We're not going to go all the way back to to Gronk and Kelsey, although we maybe should. But went through some PFF data really quick to prep for the show. And it, it's there's something glaring that comes out, and um, it mirrors... Uh, I encourage you guys to to pick up the Cheesehead TV draft guide because there's a really in-depth talk about this. Uh, Paul Noonan uh, does this uh, th- this feature on how to maybe spot star tight ends and like what what one of the big trends is for them. And and I do think it makes sense when you think about you know what the NFL is looking for and what these guys should be doing in college, probably relative to their competition, in order to succeed in the NFL. But it's really about generating explosives every play. Right, not being, you know, a guy who catches eight yard passes all the time. Right. You're either generating some by yourself with the ball in your hand, or you're getting enough separation on, on depth, on routes with with more depth than, you know, a simple out, you know, a simple hook route, a simple like sit in the middle of the field, the rail route out of the mesh. Like you're doing more. You're you're threatening the seam. Right. You're running these, you know, really good dig routes. You know, you're pressing vertically, like you're doing a lot of things that that Make you a receiver. Make you a primary target. So that's where it comes in with some of these guys. And let's go through them really quick. I got six of them. Uh, five of the six meet the model. So let's go back to George Kittle first. Um, when you look at what he did in college, 
his last two seasons or his last season uh, was 14 and a half yards per reception. He averaged 14 for his career, seven yards after the catch per reception, over seven yards of average depth of target. And he had 3.12 yards per route run in his final season, 3.15 overall. So it gives you an idea of, okay, George Kittle's creating explosive plays and didn't have a ton of production, but when he was producing, it was explosive plays, right? So I think that gives you a good idea. Uh, Let's go to one of the next guys who were selected. We'll go to Pitt's last uh, let's go to TJ Hawkinson here. We'll stick with Iowa for a second. TJ Hawkinson had 15.2 yards per reception, averaged 10.5 yards, average depth of target, 7.3 yards after the catch per reception, and 2.21 yards per route run. So yards per route run is clearly also a big part of that, and that's obviously partially generating you know targets with impressive depth, right, but also getting targeted a pretty nice deal and creating yards per reception, right? So that's all factored in there as well. If you want to get like, you know, a, a smaller number and, and more of a stat that maybe takes all of that in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Hawkinson has has been very, very good. Um, has he been top 10 pick good? No. Uh, but he's clearly found uh, his stride in the NFL. So Dallas Goddard, I want to talk about him, South Dakota State, because we got a South Dakota State cap coming out in this draft Tucker Craft who is I really like him and we'll get to him but Dallas Goddard's production was off the charts his final season 71 catches 1103 yards seven touchdowns three yards per route run 15 and a half yards per reception so Kittle cleared 14 both of these last two have cleared 15 8.1 yards after catch per reception and I mean a nine point seven eight op. I mean there, it's very clear that the top guys are producing at an elite level in college, right? You look at Mark Andrews, fifteen and a half yards per reception, fifteen point eight his final season. Uh, he was playing around eighty percent of his snaps in the slot for Oklahoma, uh, averaging twelve point nine yards averaged up the target. 2.63 yards per route run. Those are great numbers for Mark Andrews. And he went in the third round. Why? Maybe the offense. Maybe teams not wanting just a purely, you know, receiving talent at the position. That could be. We look at Kyle Pitts. These numbers are wild. Um, yeah, he obviously had 43, 770, and 12. He slashed that his final season, 17.9 yards per reception, 13.8 average depth of target, six yards after the catch per reception, 3.26 yards per route run. So he's obviously got the elite production as well. I, I threw in Dalton Schultz here. I was trying to throw in another name. I was like, eh, who's tops in the league, really? Uh, Ertz would have been a good name to throw in, but he's been in the league a while. I was thinking more recent, the last five, six years or so. But uh, Schultz uh, was the production outlier. He averaged 9.3 yards per reception. So his numbers were not exceptional, um, but it's clearly that that he has become still that type of player in the NFL, the chain-moving type, um, who doesn't generate a ton of explosive plays, but he gets open and he can score at a high clip. So those are the guys that we're kind of looking at. And I think the big numbers, obviously, you want to see is 
you know, when, when you put these all together, you're looking at over 2.2 yards per route run. You're looking at over 14 yards per reception for the most part, right, except for the Schultz outlier. So we're going to go into these tight ends, and I'm going to kind of go through the, my rankings a little bit at the end. I, I kind of want to cover the tight ends themselves, talk about the traits first, and kind of go through the stats and all that uh, for you guys. So we will definitely do that now. Um, I'll go through, I think, the 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 maybe the top three or so. Um, we'll tackle Mayor, Kincaid, and Washington quick, and then we'll go to break, and then we'll come back with the rest. Uh, so let's go to Michael Mayer first, and, and we'll kind of talk about you know why the why the maybe the 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 production model isn't going to favor him too much. So Michael Mayer, his final season, sixty seven. 809 and 9. Uh, he's averaging about 45 to 50% of his snaps in the slot. So they let him play in line. You know, if they're in 12, he's kind of more of the wing tight end than the true Y. But they're obviously they're obviously trusting him to block on the inside. And he clearly does he he has we've talked about it a lot in the pod, I think, that like he has clearly elevated his game as a blocker. Oh, and I wanna well, no, we'll 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 bring it up in a minute, but I want to talk about he he has vastly improved his technique. I think you could use a little bit more knee bend and hip sync when he blocks in line, but it's clear that he has worked on hand placement and technique and where he's positioning his hands at contact, and that's creating some displacement and that's creating some sustainment in his blocks, and that is important if he wants to be, you know, this mixed versatile tight end at the next level rather than okay, he's probably an F move tight end, right? I think he can be mixed. I think he is, I would say, my top true mixed player. You could maybe throw Washington in the mix, but I think he's more of a Y, and we'll get to that. But let's keep going down the the line here. Obviously, you heard his stat line. So if you were doing 809 by 67 in your head or on a calculator just now, you probably got 12.1 yards per reception, which, again, is a little bit higher than what his career numbers have been. His career numbers have been a little bit lower than that. But I think the 12 is pretty solid. I still think you're you're getting a, a really good player here. Just under five yards after the catch perception. He's at 4.9, 8.1 average depth of target. Uh, 2.44 yards per route run. That's a big one. That's a big jump from 1.99 in 2021. That's a huge jump for him. Needed that jump. He, he's a really good contested catch receiver. And that definitely plays into... into his evaluation as well. I think when you look at, at Mayer as a whole, you see a player who has pretty solid short area quicks. He didn't test overwhelmingly high. I think he's near near or at the 80th percentile in terms of athletic testing. But I will say that when when you watch Mayer play, he's he's doing all the right things to get open when he doesn't get open with quicks. And he can get open with quicks. He's a leverage attacking, you know, short area quicks, pretty smooth and natural route runner. The Wisconsin game in 2021 was really evidenced of that, and that's a good defense with good linebackers who can stay with guys. Like That's a well-coached defense, and we know that. So he can get open, but he uses his body. He uses his hands. He gets he can, he can fight for position. He can jockey for position you know, at the break point or at the catch point. And what he really does well at the catch point is he walls himself off or he elevates to get above defenders or he's, you know, when he's in zone coverage, when he's finding holes in zone, he's turning his body. He is catching it, 
away from his body. He's pinning it to his frame, but he, when he's got a defender closing on him and he recognizes that, he is turning away from the defender, right, to wall himself off when catching through contact, when that contact is coming through catch point. He's just incredibly nuanced. He can go, like we said, above the rim. Uh, is he the most coordinated after the catch player? Probably not. And so that's why, like, you know, these guys were talking about a safe floor player in Mayer, who I think is really solid and uh, could be a really good tight end. But you see that there's kind of a safe floor with him. And when you talk about him as a blocker, you'll be able to flex him out. You know, he's the chain-moving, reliable type, red zone winner, good route runner, good understanding of leverage, good understanding of creating leverage and, and, and staying separate at the catch point. Does a great job there, winning contested balls, sticky hands. He, he's really the complete package. He just doesn't offer that next level of explosiveness that a lot of these top tight ends have had in college. So that's really the one maybe area where you go, okay, that's not totally favorable. And I think that's why, you know, if you're a Packers fan who hasn't loved Mayer at 15, I haven't loved Mayer at 15. That's where I think you can kind of point to this and be like, okay, the production metrics are fine. I don't think they're top 15 good. Right, so that's where I think you you can run into maybe a conundrum with Mayer in terms of where you want to select him. I still think if I were the Bengals or the Chiefs, it's a no brainer uh, if he's available because you have uh, for the Chiefs you have your explosive guy in Kelsey. He's getting a little up there, but you still have him. And for the Bengals, that's the player you need, right? You need the player like you know if you have two, you have a Tyler Boyd and a bigger Tyler Boyd. Where you have two of those guys, then middle of the field, and then you have your explosive guys, Higgins, Chase, outside. So it, it gives you exactly what you need. So Michael Mayer, yeah. Um, Actually, you know what? Let's take the break now, right here. And I'm going to open with these with these next two guys, because these are the next two guys I want to talk about, actually. We're not going to talk Kincaid next. These next two guys, why this is tied into a couple other podcasts, right when we get back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, guys, back here uh, with the Always Draft Season podcast. Of course, Jake with you here. So I want to talk about these two guys because I think these two are 
the upside swings of the position and you're going to get and we're going to get into why they are a little bit more of the upside swings of the position and maybe why when I think a lot of people have have talked to me about this and mentioned it to me like why do you like this player here's why I think this player is going to shoot back up my rankings and why I think I like him a little bit more and it's important to to kind of talk about why so let's go with Darnell Washington first and then we'll get to the other guy that that I'm kind of hinting at but for Darnell Washington, right, we haven't seen that elite production, right? He doesn't have that. He really has never had that, right? And he's played with Brock Bowers. You know, the system is asking him to block a lot, whether it be, you know, get out in space on the perimeter, stay in line, you know, chip to get into short spaces to be kind of that chain mover. But, but, here we go, okay? This year, 28 catches, 454 yards, two touchdowns, Okay. True wide tight end, 80% of the time he's in line. But, but, here we go, okay? This past season, 16.2 yards per reception. 16. That's higher than everybody but Pitts that we mentioned in the pro category right now, okay? 17.2 for his career. That's a big number. 7.2 yards after the catch per reception. 10.8 average up to target. Contested catches have gotten better and better each year from 40 to 50 to 60%. He's winning more in contested spots. It's great news for a big, big tight end. You know, what is it? Six, six and six eighths or something. Six, six and three quarters, 263 or something. I forget what the exact numbers are. You can, you can, um, you can find me on that, but he's big. He ran a ridiculous short shuttle. The quicks are there, right? He did only have 1.77 yards per route run. Which I think when playing with Brock Bowers a little bit, that maybe can tilt you in the wrong direction. But 17 yards per reception for his career. And he's an inline blocking machine, right? A third tackle. This is Mercedes Lewis with juice. He's got juice. Okay? And like for him, it's it's let's talk about the this the the scouting report, obviously. Like for him, it's it's very much the the idea of like, okay. It's there, but it's not sometimes, right? When he's in line and blocking, like he is devastating. When he chips, he's gonna he's gonna send people to the ground, right? When he's kind of like his counterpart, we talked about in the tackle episode with Broderick Jones. When he doesn't dip his head and when he stays balanced and, and centered and he locks out, generating power, generating ex- and creating that extension when he blocks, he's hard to move. He's hard to get by, right? And then when he's in space and you're asking him to you know just go, oh hey, go eviscerate that slot defender or the corner or the linebacker, like he's gonna do that. And it, that's where he becomes devastating in space. But he's also got the size. Go win the ball at the catch point. Like, survive big hits because he's just got this massive frame. Win in the red zone. He can gallop in the open field. He's hurdled guys. He hurdled somebody in the Oregon game earlier this year. So, like, all this is really, really good. And, and that short shuttle time is important because you see, okay, he can change direction. Now, I think there are times with Darnell Washington where he looks really clunky as a mover. Right, and where he's just kind of like it just it doesn't look like he's he's got the true speed that that he has shown at the combine, the quickness he's shown at the combine as a route runner. But then there are other times where it doesn't look clunky at all. It looks swift. It looks like he's gliding out there, right? He's transitioning well through his breaks. So like it, it's just about honing, you know, being able to carry your frame and carry your weight the right way, you know. Get your body right for the NFL. You know, you know, if you need to, you know, bring down a few pounds, that's fine. You're gonna be still be over 260, I think. And 
it gives you that athleticism and unlocks that, right? And you have that to work with. So like Washington is that. The one thing he does have to improve upon is is the catch technique. There's some drops. There's some wide hands when he's uh, got the ball coming into him and when he's catching away from his frame. But like drops are going to happen, right? The best the best receivers drop the ball a decent amount because they're getting targeted a lot. But we just bring that bring that drop percentage down. I think it's like 10%. We need to bring that down a little bit. But like overall, like the profile makes is 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 there for Darnell Washington to be this really good blocker and this really good receiver. He has to put it all together. He has to, you know, kind of grow into his body a little bit when he's maneuvering uh, around the field as a receiver. But it's there. It is there. Let me tell you. And that's why I he's in the mix for me to be the top tight end in the class. He'll probably come in at two for me. Okay. Let's talk about this next guy because I know a lot of people are a little concerned about him and and what the profile suggests, but Luke Musgrave, Oregon State, okay? So production, not really existent too much. You know, you look at the numbers for him and obviously only playing in two games this past year hurts for sure, but at the same time, he produced in those games, right? Like these are pretty strong numbers for a tight end where you go, okay, he, he had 15 targets. He caught 11 of them, 169 yards, one touchdown. And per game basis, we're over 80 yards a game. That's great news. Like the he he's getting in the end zone. Biggest thing for him is what we call generating explosive plays. 15.4 yards per reception for his career. He's at 13.5, not quite to the 14 number, but uh, the, the number has gone up. It's consistently gone up. It goes 11.8, 13.8, 15.4 right now. He's in, I believe the slot a lot of the time, 36% in the slot, 38% in the, in the games he played this year, but it's all there. Three and a half yards after the catch per reception, but the ADOT's at 12.4 yards. The depth of target, 3.38 yards per route run. The sample size is a little small from this year, but it's clear that when he's on the field, you know, Boise State and Fresno State obviously aren't Pac-12 teams, so the Pac-12 production, he's, he's basically operating under Mountain West production. It would have been nice to see that, you know, for a full season, right? So you have to kind of go back to last season, and he's nearly at that 14 number. The yards per route run, if I can find it from last season, I'm quickly scrolling to look for said yards per route run. And that's 1.23, which is not the best. ADOT was still high at 13, though. But the drop percentage has gotten a lot better, which is good news. The uh, contested catch percentage rate, went, winning rate went up. So, yeah, it's a little bit mixed. It's a little more mixed bag than Darnell Washington, but the yards per route run and the yards per catch are there. For Musgrave, he's going to run fast in a straight line. He's big and he's fast, right? And and people are like, okay, well, slow slow down a little bit. Like this is just this is all he is. And it's like, well, he's got the big frame and he can go up and get the football and win the football. Like he's an extremely good athlete and he played sports that you wouldn't think he did. He alpine skied, right? Like this is a, a different athlete who has done different things. But when you're asking for twitch in the routes and, and and looking pretty smooth overall in his route breaks. Like, he's 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 got that. And, and when the ball is in his hands, he is going to be tough to run down. And he's going to be tough to hang with as somebody who's a seam stretcher and, and, and busting open coverage 
that he can bend off his routes and find space in that intermediate area where you have quarterbacks who will attack that. It is there. And I want to shout out uh, Mike Wall, former Packer, offensive lineman. He talked about he, he, he's, he has a YouTube channel where he goes through some, some of the, the positions and he's gone through a lot of the top prospects. And he talks about uh, Luke Musgrave. And in one rep, he goes, okay, I can teach this guy to play in line. Because his hip sync is that good, he's getting low and he's playing with good leverage. And he goes, I can teach everything else. But you can't teach some of that that just natural ability. Just I got to stay low. I got to have hip sync, right? I'm not staying too high when I block, right? When you have the hips that can unlock that explosion, unlock the power in your lower half and your core, it's different. And that's why, like the selling point on Musgrave to be that dude, it's possible, right? Six six two fifty three, and he ran four six in the four sixes. He didn't. I don't think he broke four six, but like that number's still ridiculous. It's like we got all hyped for Dulcich last year. Like, why aren't we getting hyped for this guy? He's a better player than that. And 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 I get the lack of production, you know, as a, as a, in a macro standpoint. But in in the in the in the margins where you're asking yards per reception, are you generating explosive plays? He's doing that. Okay. And so, like, we I talked about this on on previous pods, a couple different ones where I talked about just draft explosive playmakers, and that was back in the fall. And I think we did one right after the Super Bowl. Where it was like, you have to be able to throw punches on offense. Here are your explosive plays. Washington, Musgrave. Here are guys who can throw punches at tight end. Who can go back to over and over and over and over again. They're playing a little bit of different skill sets. But if Musgrave can unlock a little bit more as a blocker. Look out, folks. Look out for who he can be as a player. The draft is a lot about projection. And it's it's hard to mix the idea of, okay... I see what I see on film. Where, What do I need to look for to go, okay, I can project this guy out into a stud at the next level. And, and that's the hardest part about this. right? Because you see what you see, but you have to see the finer points and be like, okay, I see these couple things that, that can create this player to unlock him. The Packers clearly saw that with Rashawn Gary, and they nailed it. If the Packers take Musgrave, if they get like 43 or 42 from the Jets, let's say it's 43 since the Jets maybe want to stay ahead of him, be petty, whatever. Packers at 43 or 45, could this could be the guy that we are going to talk about potentially uh, in the spring and the summer leading up to the season. It's possible. It sounds like from, you know, word it, word is from the Packers organization, they brought in Washington for a visit. They aren't thrilled with him. So it might be Musgrave, ladies and gentlemen. Just just be careful that I I think there's a good chance it's him and it's one other guy that we'll bring up that I think are, are have the best chance to be Packers. And, and we'll get to that. The Packers, though, historically, Brian Moffey was on with JJ last week. Historically, they've kind of gone the, the middle of the road route athlete at tight end, and that like opens the door a little bit more for Mayer. We'll get to that, but like. I, I think there's a ch- decent chance, unless the smoke screen is real for the Packers in Washington, that they're like not letting people under like because they did again. They brought in guys last year and they drafted a lot of them the year before. No, so it's it's hard to they're doing a great job not being predictable. Anyway, let's move on. Let's get to Dalton Kincaid, um, who uh, dropped seventy eight ninety and eight. Now a, a big bunch of that was in one game against USC, caught like two hundred thirty yards. 
big game for him. 55% of the time he's in the slot. He does line up wide. He's at 12.7 yards per reception. So him and Mayer are kind of in this like there's this like clear like bust area where it's like nine or ten and you're really not getting there and you have the one outlier in um, Schultz. Now obviously there's another outlier who had 17 yards per reception. Packers fans, that is Jay Sternberger. Very tough to say. It's tough to say that name, but I will say Mayer and Kincaid are are still more of these chain moving types. We're going to separate you know, in the short and intermediate area, but, 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 um, there are times, okay, so, so 12.7 yards per reception for Kincaid, 5.7 yards after the catch per reception on an eight out of 8.7 average depth of target. So the numbers are pretty similar to Mayer. Kincaid's doing a little bit more after the catch per rep, which makes sense. There are some reps where he just finds a way out of things. And we'll get to that. Hold on. I want to get to this before the scouting report. I'm getting ahead of myself. 2.42 yards per route run. That's a big number right there. Again, the mayor thing, the mayor and Kincaid are like they're in lockstep. And it's up from the year before. He had 2.09 yards per route run in 2021. So him and Mayer on these similar arcs. Mayer's a little bit Mayer's younger than Kincaid. So, you know, teams are going to obviously, I think, opt to lean towards that. In Mayer, if they're really building for the future a little bit more, maybe like Green Bay. Um, who who might be like, all right, Mayer's kind of a two-way player on offense, a, a little bit of a force multiplier, and Kincaid's more the receiver. Obviously, you know, if you if you follow the ringer, Danny Kelly has said his comp for Kincaid is, I want to sit, yeah, I, I know what I'm thinking, like, you know what I'm thinking, I don't remember what it is, but it's like, you know who it is. I'm not going to say it, but you know who I'm thinking of. Right, and it's Kelsey, but I do think Kincaid does have really, really good quicks in the short area. You know, he can run the hitch route. He runs smooth in-breakers, out-breakers. Like, it's, it's very clear that Kincaid understands getting open as a route runner. He's got a, a sufficient speed, I think, to threaten the scene, but he, he really thrives with the ability to find ways to stay open at the catch point. He can go up and get the football. Right, He's got impressive body control through contact, you know, to tightrope when he needs to. But I think it's really impressive to watch him kind of use the quicks he has in the short area, use what he has to, you know, maybe work back to the ball an extra yard or two to, to get off the defender's, you know, to get off the defender's body a little bit in, in, in tighter coverage. And it creates windows for him to kind of attack after the catch where he gets smooth, where he can find a way to break one tackle, you know, by making a miss in space and break the other tackle by kind of dropping his his, his weight at contact to kind of survive a hit low or high. Like, he, he has some weird, just funny, I, it's very strange variety of answers post-catch that, that makes him very exciting as a player. And that's kind of where you get the Kelsey thing from, maybe a little bit, where it's like Kelsey just does things after the catch where you go, how did he do that? And then it's like, oh, he did something different this time. So I think that's where May, that's where Kincaid, I think, draws the best comparison to Kelsey. Because Kelsey, I, I, I know I didn't have him down, but I can confirm he's over, like, the 14 yards per reception for Cincinnati. Um so Kelsey's been more dynamic, more explosive playmaker on, on a per reception basis. But Kincaid has that like just creativity. The the he has multiple answers to a to a specific question with the ball in his hand. So that's what makes Kincaid so interesting. And where like teams like, you know, Kansas City or the Panthers, right, where you're looking for this type of player. Maybe Green Bay's looking for this type of player. I don't know. I just feel like they're going to be looking for a better blocker than this. But, like, I think I trust Musgrave more than I trust Kincaid as a blocker. Uh, but 
Kincaid's never going to play in line, right? He's going to either like help the chip or kind of like maybe second level will be his thing. But like overall, like he's a receiver. He's more of a chain mover. He's maybe a little bit better Dalton Schultz. Maybe he's Dalton 2.0 kind of player. And that's, it's still a good player. And it's like, it's understandable why, why he is, is liked in the draft community. I, I quite like him. Like I said, this class is good. So I, I get it. I do get it for sure. Okay. Let's move on here. Um, for the rest of these guys, we'll kind of get to as many as we can here. Shows, you know, dragging along. I know we haven't covered as many, but let's let's get to as many as we can here. Sam Porter for Iowa. He was in the slot 30 to 35% uh, over the course of his career. It kind of fell in that range, either just overall or within season to season. He's got 11.2 yards per reception. Uh, 6.3 yards after the catch per reception. That's a really nice number. Um, that's... I think number two of the yeah number two of the guys we've said so far, uh, seven point one average depth of target, but two point one six yards per route run, thirty seven and a half contested catch percentage. So Sam Laporta is an interesting case study because I think he's more like Mayer, where I think you see the vision of him playing in line a little bit more, or where he's flexed in the in the in a lot of twelve personnel but may never be the true down tight end, but he just, he has ways to get open as well. He's a smooth route runner as well. Can win the slant routes, got the hand swipes to fight through contact, you know, and another guy who is, I think got really strong hands and really can make the difference at the catch point. And, and he's a guy that, that Iowa gave him a lot of tunnel screens, run behind your offensive line, right. And get, and get up the field where he could, he could bounce off tacklers. He's another guy who could find ways to win after the catch. And it clearly showed because he's averaging over six yards after the catch per reception. Uh, so I, I can, or, or not can Laporta, I think is the other one that the, that, that screams a little bit more Packers to me of these top, like six or seven players, just because, I don't know. Something something about it just, just makes sense. He he eviscerated Illinois. It was tough to watch for me as an Illinois fan this year, but I do think Laporta if if you ranked him maybe third or fourth, maybe even third, I wouldn't even hate that, honestly. I think that there's a serious argument for that. So I, I really like what I see from Laporta. Let's go to Tucker Craft here. Uh, 30.4% in the slot. Uh, he slashed. Oh, by the way, Laporta slashed 58, 648, and one last year. Tucker Craft, 27, 348, and three this past year. However, he did miss a lot of games, and I think that's the one caveat because if you look at his season in 2021 when he was 21 years old, he's 22. He's a junior, though, this year, Craft. He had 65 for 770 and 6. That is impressive numbers for him. I want to highlight that season a little bit more uh, because this is where the numbers, I think, get a little interesting. Uh, he's still a, a yards per reception guy. Uh, last year, it was just a hair under 13 at 12.9 yards per reception. It was 11.8 the year before. However, I think that, that when you look at what he is, what he does, he, he he's out wide ten percent of the time, right? He's in line, a little over fifty five percent of the time, seven point seven yards after the catch per reception this past year. That is number one of the tight ends. Okay, 
He's got answers after the catch. He was a former running back. Uh, 2.38 yards per route run in 2021. 2.32 yards per route run in 2022. Average up the target fell from 7.5 to 6.2 year over year. But I, I, I love the profile here for this guy because... Kraft has the speed to threaten the seam. He is a tremendous athlete, as all of these guys really are. Everybody's in the elite category, except for Mayer and except for Kincaid, who hasn't tested to this point. Tucker Kraft, the running back stuff shows up, I promise. Okay, he's got great hands, strong route runner. I think he's good at finding space, but he's got the speed to stretch the seam, right? So he was he was able to generate explosives as a running back. But what really sells him to me that, oh, this guy played running back is how elusive he is in open space with his footwork. Like, he makes lateral cuts that that you probably would say, oh, that's a receiver. And I think he plays he he is a tenacious player at the line of scrimmage when he blocks. He's not perfect technically. And I think a lot of people are like, ah, he should just probably be, you know, a flex move tight end to start his career. But I do think there's enough there to where I go, okay, I think with Kraft, there's stuff that we can work on to be the a, a, a better blocker than a lot of the players in the class. He's 6'5", 254, just a hair under 4'7", at 4'6", 9", in the 40. I think it's all there. This multiple blob of clay who who dominated the, the, the FCS level, truthfully, and it, it would have the numbers would have been excellent, I really think, if he had stayed healthy uh, all of 2022. So he's a guy I would plant my flag on as well for Green Bay or anybody in general. Uh, on day two, because I think, again, I'm still working the grading process, so I want to find a way to maybe have a show where we just go through our final rankings, because there's still a lot of number crunching we're doing um, with the board a little bit, and I'm separating the tight ends based on their their roles, too, in the rankings, so this is more of the deep dive than the rankings, per se, but Kraft, for me, I I think has potential. he is only 22. He's not 22 and a half just yet. He turns 23 in November. I think that he has more upside than Kincaid does. And that might be crazy to say, but I think there's a chance that he, if you put him in the F move category, that he might be the best of the bunch in the in that in that category rather than playing mixed. If you put him in the mixed with Mayor Laporte and Musgrave, like that's a loaded group. I'd have to think about that one a little bit more. Um, okay, let's get to two guys who are, are on the smaller school side as well with Kraft that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Noah Gindorf from North Dakota State averages 11.9 yards per reception. 83% of the time he's in line. 8.2 yards after the catch per reception. That's number one. 2.24 yards per route run and a 5.3 A dot. So the 5.3 A dot is fueling that yards after catch for reception a little bit more. This is a big dude. He's going to play in line a lot, and but he's got pretty good speed and athleticism to stretch the seam and doesn't have a lot of snaps um, it, it recently. I think it's, it's quite low, but like Gindorf to me, and I shared a clip of him just viscerating a guy uh, in a, as, as like a bowling ball against I think it was against Drake where he's running up the seam he's running a post catches the ball you know and, and, and just just levels a guy just levels him um with the ball in his hands runs him over scores yeah so he he caught he caught six passes okay um this past season on eight targets but best season he caught 10 for 170 back in 2019 that's 17 yards per reception so Look out for that. But career-wise, 
it's 11.9. So I want to make sure that's clear just in case, you know, everybody's like, oh, the 17, that's got to be the generated explosives. 1.12 yards per route run for his career. But I do think this is like the day three swing you want to take, 6'6", 263. Yeah. I, I know JJ's pretty high in him as well. At least he was when we were talking about him. Um a little bit earlier in the draft process, but he did grade out really high, 88 PFF grade this past year. So, again, didn't play a lot of snaps, but when he did, he was effective. He did play a game against Arizona where uh, I need the stat line, but it's freaking in the way. Um, but his, his game against Arizona, he did show up and, and caught some passes in that one as well. Um, actually, I can tell you, he caught 3 for 30 yeah, three for 30 in that game. So 10. So I think Gindorf is an intriguing dart throw on day three. Uh, same with this guy, Zach, Zach Koontz. I hope it's Koontz. Anyway, want to talk about him a little bit too, because he is the tester right at the position, right? When, when we do the, the RAS stuff uh, that Kent Platt is, is really championed and it's, it's awesome stuff. It's a great tool. He's the best tester tight end of all time of all time okay but here's where my concerns lie production wise right when we're using that formula that we were talking about earlier he only has in his career 9.8 yards per reception now he only caught 12 of 28 targets this past year for 144 that's 12 yards per reception that's better that is that's much better okay than 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 the career averages um, he's only playing inline 38.6% of the time. He is a flex. He's never going to play inline. He overruns his blocks. He he just doesn't have the frame to, I think, handle it. He's, he's a little bit more taller and and, and stringier than, than some of the other tight ends in the class. He is 255 at 6'7", so that's good. But I, I just don't know if he, at 6'7", is going to be able to... But again, he's a fluid athlete, so it, it's possible that he unlocks a little bit as a route as as an inline player. But I just don't see it. I think he is. This is a receiver who is probably going to need some time. Uh, but again, he did. I think do really well. He, he's only three yards, three point eight yards after the catch per reception, one point two six yards per route run, eleven a dot though. That's a that's a that's a good number to have. But I I think with. With Koontz, you see it. You see him leverage step. You see him understand that you know the top of route quickness he has in his routes. You know he can go up and win the football. You know he he's obviously got great explosion numbers, so he's going to be able to high point it. I just thought we'd see more in terms of unlocking what he can do down the field. I think an NFL team will do that, so I think that's why I'd be swinging on him. Maybe top one hundred, probably a little bit later than that. I, I would probably still stick with him on like day three at this point because I still think there's a lot of projection that goes into his eval as a whole but again him and Gindorf are two smaller school guys that I that I'm definitely watching but again they're Gindorf's yak per reception is encouraging Koontz's a dot is encouraging so those are two things where it's like okay the, the full profile doesn't fit but they're guys to watch so let's get to a few more here I want to talk about this guy for sure uh, Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan, because I think this is the other guy where I go, ah, yeah, could be a Packer. I, I definitely think he could be. Um, he's also um, averaging 11.9 yards per reception, 35 for 418 and three this past year. Uh, though, again, pretty solid numbers across the board. I, I he is, but he is my guy's in line 70 percent of the time. 
five yard five and a half yards after the catch per reception, two point five yard two point one five yards per route run, and a seven point eight eight dot. Those are good numbers across the board, I think, for him. Um overall though, I, I he is extremely good in line, you know, great hand strike, leverage, sustain blocks, you know, is gonna be able to close the close the uh the uh the avenue on the backside, good backside seal, good front side seal player. Right, he he is phenomenal with blocking and understanding where he needs to be, and has the quicks to get into position to leverage himself well to to be a finisher and to you know be a, be in where he needs to be. Assignment oriented as a blocker, but he offers some smoothness as a route runner as well. I think natural hands are there. I think for me, when I'm watching him though, that against zone coverage, and he's he flashes a little bit, but when he is is working into that space, when he's working in his stem contact kind of drives him off his route he is very susceptible to letting this happen he shows some good lean though the ability to dip to dip that shoulder that's near contact to reduce surface area to get contacted less in his stem he shows that ability it needs to be more consistent because he's getting disrupted and disrupted and disrupted it's throwing off timing we can't have timing being thrown off when we're getting into the zone when pressure's coming got to be open as quickly as we can but schoonmaker is a player that i like a lot as as a wide tight end very much so. So if you're including Mayer in the Y tight end, he's going to be third. Um, not not mix the mixed group. Schoon is going to be a Y. I think he's right after Washington and ahead of the next guy who I want to talk about as well. But Schoonmaker, good player. Brenton Strange from Penn State has recently gotten some hype and for good reason. I don't think there's anybody who I would say that unlocks the hips, unlocks explosion into power when he blocks. Nobody has better leverage than him. Nobody sustains blocks better than him. I just think he's pretty capped as an athlete. 11.3 yards per reception, not bad. 10.8 uh, for his career. Um, again, he's going to be, I think, more in line. He did play 43% in the slot, but like overall, like he's coming across the formation in split zone. Like This is a player you want to play in line. 6'4", 253, not huge. 4'7", speed guy. I just don't see like the twitchy athlete, the route running type. One point four five yards per route run, seven point three yak after uh, yards after the catch per reception is a really nice number. But like, I think he's just a little more capped than Schoonmaker is as as a receiver. But I really like what I see as an inline blocker. So he's kind of slotted for me. I think ahead of some of these high these these dart throws with upside, just because we know what he what role he can play in line. And that matters, I think, with with especially where the, where we're going in terms of playing more twelve, right, running the ball more. You need players like him to be able to control the trenches like he does. Okay, uh, let's get to Davis Allen from Clemson. Want to talk about him really quick? Eleven point four yards per reception. Um, his pass blocking stats aren't the best. He's allowing pressures when he pass blocks. It's okay, run blocker as well. Six six two forty five, but four eight four speed. He, he's fine. Um, DJ putting him as high as he did uh, when the senior bowl week came around was a little bit shocking to me. Um, he's in line only 43% of the time. Uh, five yards after the catch perception, 1.57 yards per route run, nine yards, uh, 9.1 yards averaged up the target. But like he did win 11 of 12 contested balls, so he's going to be able to do that. I think he stretches the seam pretty well. Better run blocker than pass blockers, I said. I just think the blocking, I was a little underwhelmed overall, but I think there's opportunity for him as an H-back, and I think that's where he's going to succeed at, at at his best. But the the hype for Davis Allen, I think, took its took its peak 
in, in January, early February, and has kind of died down a little bit, but where it is way more reasonable to select him. Okay, a few more guys I want to get to. Uh, Will Mallory. This is who I thought was like, okay, the receiver at the position. Yes, yes, this is, and then the hype is is growing. He's got 12.9 yards per reception. That is good. That is good. 42, 5, 42, and 3 this past year. Really good receiver, right? Like, this is 100% a flex player. This is a receiver. He's not playing in line. It's not happening. I'm never playing him there after what I saw him do as a blocker. 1.68 yards per run, 7.2 yards after the catch per reception. This is a good player in space. I just thought he'd be a little more twitchy athlete in terms of making defenders miss, but he's another guy where... And he doesn't turn really well, but when he's running in a straight line, you know, the seams, you know, running drag routes across the field, like he's going to, he's going to separate with speed, right? He's a four, five, four player. Like this is an, an athlete to, to hundred percent gamble on a day three and, and hope that you have a, a receiving tight end that you can deploy in a lot of ways. Like I said, I don't think he's going to play in line. I wouldn't touch him um, doing so. And, and I don't think an NFL team will either, but overall, I, I think I like what I see with Mallory as a day three player. And then we have a guy I really like, uh, Josh Wiley. While I've, I've heard it both ways, shout out to you, psych fans. Um, at a really strong um, 2020 season where he graded out in the 90s as offensive grade and as a receiving grade, drop grade was really good. Like he, 28, 353 and six. That's still 12.6 yards per reception. He's at firmly at 12 for his career. He only had 10 this past year, but obviously the drop off from Ritter to the next quarterback clearly played uh, a factor there. But this is like, I think a smoother route runner, as smooth going up to get the football, like just just plays the receiver position, just really balanced, technically sound, but also has the quicks to boot. Like this is a player I like more than Kuntz. I like more than Mallory. Uh, as a receiving type, he is 23 and a half. He'll be uh, at the opener. He'll be 24 uh, once the season starts, basically right when it starts um, or the day after it starts maybe. But, yeah, I, I like the player quite a bit. I, I think he, he'll be obviously in the F category at tight end, but I think he's behind Kincaid and Kraft in that area. Then, it's, then we start to talk about, you know, either if you're putting – Laporta and Musgrave there then he's probably fifth um of of those but I, I would take him ahead of Allen I would take him ahead of uh, Mallory I would take him ahead of Kuntz so I like Josh Wiley a good bit um let's uh let's quickly talk about the last two on the list here I think Payne Durham is almost in the same conversation that we have had with uh Davis Allen I think this is a a really strong H-back type in the DeGuara mold. Uh, 10 yards per reception, that's fine. I think he will be a good run blocker, solid pass blocker. You see him engage really well and and, and is, is good at the contact point where he's not getting pushed off his spot. He's not really necessarily a resetter of the line of scrimmage like most of these guys are not other than maybe Washington, Schoon, and, and Strange. Uh, those three are really the resetters and maybe Gindorf as well a little bit. But when you look at Durham, I think reliable hands, you know, good good zone awareness, right? He's going to be a reliable player. Uh, only 4.7 yards after the catch per reception, so, you know, not overwhelmingly impressive there. 1.23 yards per route run, 7.28. That's not bad. Uh, 
for me, yeah, it's just, again, chain moving type, you know, good to contort the body, you know, and go up and get the football in, in, in tight spaces and contested spots. I like him in, 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 in that regard. Uh, I think he was, yeah, he was eight of 14 at Purdue in that area. I think that was good. He had a good play at the senior bowl where he, he worked to the back shoulder really well on a throw from Hayner. I like that a lot. I, I think this is again, like Allen, I'd probably lean Durham over Allen in terms of an H back role, but I, I do, I do like, uh, Payne Durham last on the list is, is Cam Latu from Alabama, uh, or Cameron Latu, 6'4", 242, a little bit on the smaller side of things, uh, but I think the run, I think the blocking overall is pretty solid. He, he graded out um, pretty well as a blocker in the 70s. Um, if we look at overall, uh, the yeah, the pass blocking is a little bit suspect, but the as a run blocker, he's good. But I, I overall, I don't quite see it. There are others who do see it. For me, just not a really a needle mover. Uh, he did have 12 and a half yards per reception last year. He did have 15 though the year before and 15.7 to boot. That season in 2021 is what's the big draw, I think. 7.6 yards after the catch per reception, just 1.3 run yards per route run. And the A dot, but he he comes in at fourteen uh, for his career, fourteen yards per reception. So the production profile likes him a good deal. I'm not as big of a fan, personally. Um, I think he was given a lot of space and and worked with it pretty well uh, in terms of how he he operated. I think Jamison Williams and Mechie helped him out a lot. But he was he was a decent chain mover as a receiver, and I think that there's a chance he could carve out a role. But like I'm not overly high on him, even the production model is overall. So that's where I stand on 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 the tight ends. Uh, those are 15 of them. Hope you guys got something out of this. Uh, the scouting reports were a little less detailed, uh, but I'm gonna try and get some reports out on all of these guys, maybe on my Substack for you guys to maybe check out and peruse. Um, there's a lot of writing I'm doing. Uh, to get ready for the draft, but hopefully there's there's at positions of need, especially the tight end position. I'm going to get as many write ups as I can, maybe some videos as well on YouTube. So you you want to be checking those out for sure. Uh, yeah, I I think the tight end group is good. Um, will the difference makers emerge? I, I honestly like I think outside of Mayer, I think you have to ask Washington and and Musgrave. Are you going to be those guys? Is the production model does is the buy-in real are are we getting what we think we might be getting with them i think laporta and Kraft are going to be solid players for sure uh kincaid is the question mark a little bit more than 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 the others but again he's as as it's just he finds a way in like the some of the most intricate and creative ways possible that's why again this class is really good if i were to just put the final stamp on it who's going to be a packer i I will write down the three names that I started with. I'm, I'm Musgrave, Laporta, and Schoonmaker are the three. Those are the three I'll, I'll stamp the thing on right now. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, though. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JakeNFLDraft. You can uh, follow the YouTube channel. Um, that, that'll be on the Twitter if you follow me there. Uh, like I said, Substack's there as well on the Twitter. Those links are there to peruse. Like I said, I'm going to try and get stuff out in the tight ends because that's a, a position. Tackles and edges. Uh, we got to get to edge rushers. Positional previews will still be coming out um, 
at a rapid pace as we get close to the draft. And we got a few, uh, like I said, extra episodes that I think you guys will enjoy. Um, hope you guys enjoy your week. We'll be back Friday. TBD on what, what it's going to be. I think it's going to be position, but not sure which at the moment. It might be interior line. So that's probably where we'll go. I'm going to stamp it on that. But you guys take it easy. Enjoy your week. We'll see you on Friday.